Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live on a Tuesday night, a very special edition as we look at the verdict in the Chauvin trial, an unbelievable verdict, but really not that unbelievable because we all were expecting it. Can you imagine if it had gone another way? Look who's here today. What a great all-star cast, Dina Burley, the, the national journalist and author of an upcoming book called Virus. How are you, Dina? I'm good, thanks. It was a good day. Yeah, it was a good day. And Noel, how are you? Noel Kassler. I'm excellent. You know, it's the verdict I was hoping for, so I'm happy. And the man who's going to help us work our way through all the legalese here, Andrew Laufer. How are you, Andrew? Hey, Zev. How's it going? Feeling pretty good. Yeah. I got, today was a day I dreaded, i got to say. I was feeling a little bit, I can't believe I'm going to sit and watch TV set again to know, to figure out if their justice system really works, because that's what we've done so many times in America, right? You sit there and you wait for this verdict. You know what happened because you've watched the case. And yet so many times we've been disappointed in the past, but today was not that day. Today was a very different day. So Andrew, why don't you talk about the significance of that? Because there have not been many more, many, many cases like this in the history of American justice, really, where the right side has won when it's come to a police crime like this. Yeah, unfortunately, there hasn't been enough of these types of verdicts yet. I'm hoping today is a, the beginning of change for that. A lot of it goes to how difficult it is to charge a police officer. Prosecutors really do have a wide latitude, but a lot of times they're too afraid to put certain types of charges before grand juries and uh, let them do their work. And then you also have you know, juries who just look at whatever police officers do or say is the rule of law and always they're always right. So you've had a lot of that in the past, but hopefully, I mean, the evidence was just so overwhelming in this case. What made the difference this time? Is that the, the videotape? Is that really what clinched it ultimately? Is, is the fact that people, so many people are on social media all the time, it's just hard for, you know, hide, for crimes to get hidden in any way? Well, yeah, the video, I think, was what convicted him. I, I don't think there's any justification one could find or the most deft attorneys could somehow manipulate that would be able to get around that. It was just so painfully obvious what happened here. And there was really just no other reasonable verdict to, to, to come to. Yeah, they tried on so many levels, didn't they? They tried all these different potential excuses, and you know that might have given the jury some wiggle room in some of these in some of these charges. There were three charges ultimately they could have chosen from or convicted him on. They went for right. all three, so that's significant that they went right. for all three. They didn't look for a way out. There was no there's no, no wiggle room in the terms of this particular verdict. And defense counsel has to do what they have to do. They're in a very tough spot. You know, some of the things they did, I didn't agree with. They have to do what they have to do to try to get their client either his, his charges mitigated, his potential exposure to prison mitigated at the time amount that he's going to be there or dismissed. You can't really hold too much of a grudge against them for doing their job like that. Everyone is entitled to a defense. But the, the evidence was just so overwhelming. Does it, this is what I say. It doesn't matter what attorney you have. If the evidence is so overwhelming against you, you're going down. It doesn't like we talk about Trump all the time here and, and, and his cronies and, and what have you. And it doesn't matter who they hire. They're hiring decent, half decent attorneys now or decent attorneys now. Some of them are very good. It doesn't matter does not matter when the evidence is just so against you, you're going down. It's as simple as that. Jury, jurors usually get it right most of the time. There's, you know, there's always issues from time to time, but most of the time they vet the evidence correctly. They ask the right questions and, and our judicial system works. You know, there's not enough focus on how many times jurors get it. It's always about this guy got off and why did he get off? And you know, there, there are things that, that cause that to occur usually. All right, not always, but most of the time. So, you know, um, today was definitely another good day. It was a good day in terms of all of that. Now, no, I was thinking a year ago, which is really when the, the, the murder happened a year ago. It seems like it's a lot longer. Maybe it's because we've been through so much in the last year. But last May is when all of this started and it kicked off 
a series of events, which are protests, stunts by the former administration, riots, other violence came up from this. It really was a spark for what the Trump administration was hoping was going to be the way they were going to win the the election. They were hoping they were going to strike fear into America's hearts by amping up the fear around the Black Lives Matter movement, around you know the, the defund the police strategy, all of that. It's hard to believe that's only been a year ago and hard to believe that that's what started everything. I mean, I was just thinking about your man, Donald Trump, there in the middle of all of that, you know, storming into a protest with his defense secretary to take a photo shot outside a, a church. We've come so far from that kind of goofy craziness that we were in a year ago, and it's only just a year ago. Absolutely. And Ivanka Trump putting a Bible in her $700 purse and yeah. walking with her father over to have that photo op. Oh, and it played into his hands. That unrest was everything he wanted because mm -hmm. it emboldened his side. And, and look, the other guys are Antifa and they're going to burn down your cities. And of course, none of that was really true. And I think a lot of those fires were started by outside agitators. And I remember watching those protests and the guys with the umbrellas, and it looked like a training op. And it benefited him, because I knew dudes on the Upper East Side come November when New York City, for example, was preparing for what the election results would be, and they were starting to board up stores and stuff again. And I remember seeing on Facebook people like, look, they're getting ready for an election result they don't approve of. Mm -hmm. They're not boarding up the city to protect it, us from Trump voters. And, and in reality, like who rioted? when they lost the election. It was Trump voters that that attacked the Capitol. But his whole MO has always been like that sort of class division and racial division. Now, it played into his hands, those riots. And as I said, I think they were ignited by forces on the right. I think so, especially in Minneapolis. I remember those first nights of protests there where they, I think the police station was burned down. Or it, it turned out that was actually was created by anarchists on the Trump side or which are on the right wing side. And that they're the ones who started those fires, which is stunning to think about that's where the spark of that violence came from. In fact, you could say that the throughout the entire year, Americans have been remarkably restrained considering everything they've been through, considering where things could have gone last from last May until now. You know, there's been a remarkable disciplined, there was lots of protesting, lots of good voting, lots of good proper civil rights stuff, but never, it's amazing that things did not go out of hand. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Donald Trump was still the president of the United States? tonight. If you're asking me, yeah, God, I'm, no. I, I'd be watching from Canada at the very <laughs> least, if not Finland somewhere. No, I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like. Yeah. And I, thankfully, I don't have to imagine that world for at least another three years or three right. and a half years. <laughs> and I'll say this one thing. I saw how Fox News immediately reacted to the verdict. Oh, and it was once again, they were bringing up what I just said. They were bringing up, oh. at least the country won't burn down now. At right. least there won't be looting. It's always an attempt to besmirch and denigrate minorities, the left, the poor people in, in terms of inner city poverty. It's always like those, those bad guys. And I'll say this too, I have friends who are on the job that, that work NYPD and a lot of other police departments. You work with a lot of police departments in the entertainment business and a lot of cops and stuff. And a lot of them are really good guys that want to protect and serve. But a lot of them get indoctrinated into this. You don't get it, man. You don't see how those people live. You know, they're animals in those things. I'm just reacting to the way 
I have to. And that's something, there's almost like a warlike mentality that overtakes these police officers. And I think it's interesting, like you said, it was a year ago, right? And there was such a common event. Like the girl who filmed it was 17 years old. Mm. She was bringing her nine-year-old niece to get snacks at the corner store. It was a very normal interaction and a normal night in that in the lives of all of these people and then abnormal violence was interjected upon this and he murdered him in this pedestrian way and that's where the outrage came from how he was acting like he's sticking his hands in his pocket and picking rocks out of the tracks of the car he was casual about it and i think that that is part of the reason it became such a watershed moment because it was just average there was no reason for any of this and, and the guy who did it with this impunity what are you going to do about it this is what i get to do because i have a badge and thankfully today we got justice and nina uh, do you did you watch the verdict did you were you watching while the verdict came down yeah i did and you know, my first reaction was like like everyone else oh Thank goodness. Thank you, jury, because we've seen it go the other way so many times. And then the second thought was of Eric Garner and here in New York. Again, it was on video. It was unquestionable what happened there. And and, and many other examples. It was it was a good day in that sense. And then, you know, the other thing when I got I got back on Twitter for a little while and I saw Cernovich and people like that tweeting about how the jury was terrified they had to rule this way because they knew that if they didn't there were gonna be yes, there this is their this is the right response to this verdict. That they did this and I don't think Fo- I'm not watching Fox, I don't think they're saying it on Fox, but these people on, on, on right Twitter, what's left of it, are saying, oh, the jury just had to do this because they were going to riot. And I have to say, you know, this is the moment, really, to start talking about how you think, you, you just said that Americans have been very restrained. And I think that we have been restrained, except that in the last month or two or three, the number of massacres, mm. gun massacres in this country, it's getting closer and closer to every one of us. It's unbelievable what's going on. It's unbelievable. It's like this, the virus abated so that this other virus, this other terrible American sickness could come surging up again. And the point that I'd like to make is to the Cernoviches and the rest of them, and the, is that do the math, man. Every single one of those massacres, it, which is, by the way, one per day, more than one per day averaging in this country right now in the year 2021, we've had more than one gun massacre a day, most of them by white men, young white men. Do the math. How many BLM protests does it take to equal one of those one day in America of a white boy with a gun. This is something that we need. This morning, again, I jumped on Twitter and saw Pompeo. I like to follow him. Pompeo's on tweeting about how your Second Amendment rights are under greater attack than ever in history, and I'm going to stand up for them. I'm paraphrasing. What's what is that? I mean, that is I, obviously he's running for. You know, he's going to run against DeSantis, and they all have to get as as close to the gun world as they can. But what is that? in this era of erupting out of control 
and really terrifying violence. Well, it's the flip side, isn't it, of what we've been seeing, the Chauvin trial, and in, you know, there's so much fear built up on both sides. There's so much fear built up against the supposed Black Lives Matter movement is going to do to your world and what it's going to do to your, your suburbs and how it's going to upend everything you've ever had. And then you know, that creates the, 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 the opposite reaction of we've got to get guns because we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to protect ourselves against these marauding masses. And it's that construct that's being created. I firmly believe this isn't a constructed division that we are going through in America, that forces from the outside of this country basically creating a division, and whether it's through social media manipulation or whatever other weapons they might use, even some real life tactics, that they're creating this tension for us, responding to it like it's a real thing because it's real in our lives. But the causes of it are not are not natural. They're happening externally from us. And let's say there's China and there's Russia out there that are trying to destroy America. That's really their goal. For me, it's really hard to see that there's any other real reason for them to do all the things they've done, whether it's install a Donald Trump or whether it's not tell us about coronavirus or whether it's the endless amounts of manipulation around our alliances around the world or you name it. They have not been shy about their aggression towards America. And what is that for? What is that for? It's designed to to destroy America, even Bitcoin. I was deluding to think that was a good thing. And then I discovered that's also another sort of Chinese manipulation or potentially a Chinese manipulation trying to damage the dollar. So we've got these forces outside that are really trying to destroy who we are and destroy our existence. And, and that's why they're doing all of this. And so every time we have even a conversation about the violence or about the division or about our race tension, we're actually in some ways giving into what they want because they're hoping we amplify all of this. They're hoping we create even more division in our country. In fact, maybe the answer is just to turn away from it and start talking about them because they're the real problem. You know, there's a lot happening to us that we are not recognizing that's part of this formula. It's so unnatural for us to have a shooting a day. Do you understand how unnatural that is for any society around the world? It does not happen naturally. There's no way it's just a specifically American men have decided suddenly, hey, we're going to go and shoot up people. It just it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Why is it happening in the most advanced country in the world? It just doesn't make any sense. It's happening yeah. because they've been somehow forced into it or controlled into it or positioned into it, whatever you want to say. But it's not a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's something that we have to realize is happening to us. We're victims of this. We are victims of this violence. These types of weapons that are being used have been around since the 19, have been available to civilians since the 19, what, 60s? You've had ARs, you've had mini-14s, you've had all types of semi-autos, you know, that can spew any type of caliber weapon. And ever since Columbine, it just seems like it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse to where we are today, the way Nina described everything so accurately. What's the common denominator there? You know, there's always been this type, these types of weapons around. Granted, we had the Brady Bill in effect for a period of time, which kind of lessened the availability of these types of weapons. But really, it just took off like a moonshot, and it's still going in terms of how many people are, are doing it. Personally, I think a lot of it has to do with being radicalized in some manner, primarily through the internet in some way. I have no idea specifically, but people are just being exposed to these types of you know, pressures maybe that cause them to do these things. I and mean, the availability of weapons certainly doesn't help. But I don't think there's weapons you know, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's weapons yeah, everywhere. It's not, that's, that's not really it. It's got to be something you know, it, else. It, they've been everywhere. They've been yeah. everywhere since the 60s, you know, the 70s. You can go out and it was much easier to get a gun in New York State 
back then than it is now. The restrictions are, are much more prevalent now, at least in most in many states. You know, some other states, it's pretty damn easy to get a get a weapon, but it, there's something weird there. Are they being are they being radicalized by by who who knows? It's it's certainly possible. Well, we know it is. We know we do we know that it's actually. And I'm waiting for Nina to roll her eyes at me when I say Russia, but we know that Russia is involved in in uh, in absolutely radicalizing people online. You know that they've been doing it on on Reddit for years. We know they've been doing it on Chan Four for years. This is this is part of what that whole mm-hmm. crew did with you know Donald Trump Jr. and his whole crowd. We had lots of coverage of that. We've certainly seen how the Proud Boys came into existence because of Roger Stone. We've seen the what's called the Oath keepers, whoever they are, we've. This is not. These are not. These are things that have been intentionally created for us, mm-hmm. and for this moment, and for this confrontation, which they want or someone wants. And you know, whether it's the attack on on innocent black people or black men getting shot in the streets for no good reason, or whether it's the the random shootings happening in supermarkets. There is an incredibly traumatic event happening. And to what extent is that happening? Like, why do the people want us to suffer so much in America? Whoever's doing it to us, why is there so much suffering being inflicted on us? Zev knows that I don't agree with him on this. And obviously the Russians and the Chinese and the Saudis and the UAE and many other countries and Israel are very interested in the politics and policy of this country and they are active. They actively engage in it in some way or another. The Russians, but I I gotta tell you a couple things. To say that this problem is an exteriorly created problem to me is just missing, it's absolutely missing the sweep of American history and the way that this country has developed and the sort of elastic push and pull between the right and the extreme right and the left in this country and anti-immigration movements and racism. And you can't tell me that the Columbine boys were Russian agents or influenced by Russia. This thing that these kids are into, this thing, this dark place, is not created by the Russians. It's got a lot of other things. There's tech, there's the Iraq war. A lot of these people came back from the Iraq war to find their their cities and towns drained of treasure, of blood and treasure, just squandered and wasted on Afghanistan and Iraq. And I I can tell you that as somebody who grew up in the Midwest and I really, I don't think that this is a, they may have, as we do, as our intelligence agencies do, looked for divisions and tried to provoke and expand them. But I think the problem is much more, it's here, it comes from within, it comes from policies that have been promulgated for decades by the government, where these cities and towns are left with no mental health care no decent health care. There are lots of problems here, and you cannot blame it on the outside. I don't, I don't think you can blame it on the outside. The radicalization yeah. of the right-wing radicalization, again, maybe they're, they're in, on the internet provoking it, but look what happened to the NRA. That, that was a ridiculous op, and it worked for a while. 
It was horrendous. Now, I've seen the bots. I've been the victim of the, the NRA Russian I mean, bots. Russia really four, did fund the NRA. Four thousand. Right? Yes, exactly. But I mean, yes, but the NRA is the people that funded the lawyer, the politicians, which have been opposing any legislation against uh, gun control for decades. They're the reason why. You know, that's a the, that is still Russian money. Actually, it's a that not, that maybe not well, the best but example. In minute, but it's, in a minute, it's, we're going to talk about the corporations that yeah. still fund those uh, yeah. legislators. Absolutely. I think it's an alliance of things. I don't think it's Russia on its own. I don't think it's China on its own. I think that the masters of the universe, whoever they might be, the top 1% of, of Americans who are, happen to be white and, and Christian fundamentalists and, and they want to keep it that way, or you've built an alliance with these enemies of democracy. And uh, the, the end result is the ordinary person in America is in a ping pong wall where the ball being flung around. Like we have no real control over anything. We're just like victims of forces on either side. And there's very little way for us to impact that. One thing I will say is that there's evidence that at least Islamist radicalization has occurred online. Mm -hmm. And the Fort Hood shooter is a good example of that. So I think there is definitely some of that going on. This is a uniquely American problem. There's no question in terms of the, the kind of violence um, that's going on. But I think, as you say, it's enhanced, it's inflamed, where maybe it's the goal of some of our enemies to inflame it or enhance that kind of thing. You know, Nina brings up some excellent points as well. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. And there, there was actually, there, there's no, you know, radicalization can happen very easily with someone who's desperate, who really doesn't have anything to go home to, who may have a drug problem or a vet that has some serious psychological issues. That's certainly easy fodder for anyone looking to radicalize someone. So mm. can I, can I say one thing course, too on that? There, there's also been like, I'd say post nine 11, there's a fetishization of guns and, and, and weapons that are designed to hunt people. Now people always mm -hmm. had guns. There was always there, but they didn't used to have bumper stickers of their AR 15 on their pickup truck. And it became like, Amosexuals, you know, I, I call them and people call them sometimes. It became this like social stratum of people, of young, mostly white men that like think it's cool to have all this stuff. And these weapons of war are, are very profitable. 50 million guns were yeah. sold just last year. Well, these are guns that are designed to hunt people, not hunt deer, not go skeet shooting with. And, and that's what they're into. We see these pictures every day on Twitter of families all posing with their big rifles with their scopes on it. So there yeah. was part of it like came out in the open and made it okay to do this. And I think your Clint Eastwood propaganda movies about sheepdogs, American snipers or whatever. There was some element manipulated and interjected into the conversation from NRA and right-wing politicians that were like, look, this is what a patriot looks like now. Oh, he's armed and ready to defend the homeland. You well, they know? fed and an entire conspiracy theory. They were fed a complete manufactured conspiracy theory that they had to defend the homeland. That's why right. they showed up there on January the 6th, because that was, they believed that to be true. Absolutely, but I'm not even taking it that close. Yeah, I yeah. just mean, you know, post 9-11, I've seen this style of men, a military mm. haircut, the sunglasses, the big militarized pickup trucks mm. that are all over the roads now. I live in Westchester. Yeah. I see these pickup trucks. Dude, you work in customer service in Parsippany. <laughs> what are you doing with the King Ranch version 4? You're on your way to Katona right now. But it, it's- I gotta get some dessert for the kids. And that's how they go out. Now, that's yeah. how they're pulling into D'Agostino's. It's yeah. like, I grew up here in the 80s. <laughs> 
We didn't drive that stuff. We drove Volkswagen rabbits. Oh, and pickup trucks were Toyotas. So my point is there's money behind it. Oh, there's money in overarming people, in overselling them, in pickup trucks, in survival gear. And, And unfortunately, we have a world where that's an appealing thing for a lot of people. Nina said, and like Andrew said, the normal world has shrunk. Now, a lot of the world doesn't make sense anymore. And when you're in fear, you want to take action to feel stronger and more secure. And in America, we have companies ready to step up and say, here, buy this truck. You'll escape when the power goes out and the roads go out. Buy this gun. You'll shoot your way out of this thing. And it, it doesn't work. That- I, mean, I can only imagine how much damage one person could do like that if they're just panicked, thinking that they got to do something and get out of Dodge or when the shit hits the fan and let's go up to my my, my Alpine readout, try to ride it out. Noel makes a really good point, though, to bring up 9-11, yeah. because I think the in, in some ways that is the source of the, it, uh, we underestimate or forget how it unmanned men, like what happened there was such an awful thing that we, uh, we saw our president in hiding and then you know, the day like the trauma of that day and that and then the isis you know that follow it followed by the isis eruptions in the in 2014 and i think there's this whole community of just as it's fear and it's that sense of being unmanned and having to match we you're talking about what in katona in westchester up here in uh upstate new york before the election we had these y'all qaeda guys mm-hmm. going up and down the road with the <laughs> trucks with the flags exactly like isis yeah. and beards and the whole thing the whole they had the whole isis kit and they, they were like running up and down the driving up and right. down the, the highways and uh, you assumed that they had guns in their cars as, or their trucks as well. And that's what they were. That's what they were doing. And I think there's. I don't know if anybody's done a real study on this, but I think somebody should really write a book about how the this like everything after nine eleven. The 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 security industry. Mm-hmm just exploded that's where you get rudy making all that money right he's mm-hmm. a security guy he could make millions selling his he was walking through the rubble of 9 11 and it was all about security and if you go to dc like i lived in dc in the 90s and i go back there now just the amount of money the federal money that was spent on defense and bio defense and other kinds of defense and national security and local security and security right the ocean of money that came out of 9-11 and it's not just ar-15s and the gun industry but the whole thing and it's it's like a it's like a psychotic situation i'm sorry but i mean it's it's very creepy like with the anthrax also after that. And then yes. the entire- I mean, this bio, the bio weapons thing, this whole thing with, with no. writing this book about the uh, the virus, I looked into a little bit these conspiracy theories about Fauci and bioweapons. You know about this, right? So the NIAID actually was given hundreds of millions of dollars for biodefense. And so what is biodefense? Well, it's a bunch of scientists sitting around messing with things in labs that if they got out of labs, you wouldn't be too happy about it. It's mm. all, it, it, it just, all this, the, it was tons of money and it's America. This was going on in Fort Detrick and around Washington and 
post 9-11, the whole anthrax thing, as, as Andrew said, they, they blew tons of money on anthrax vaccines. They didn't even need them. Somebody got very, and somebody got very rich. There's yeah. always somebody getting very rich off of this. There are lots of swimming pools and McMansions that have been built on this security, mm-hmm. this explosion well, of this obsession with security and fear of what's coming. Because 9-11 gave us the war on terror. A lot of people yes. are saying the coronavirus is giving us a, a new surveillance industry um, in terms of how people are yeah. being monitored in terms of their illness, whether it's these digital passports or these other ways of monitoring our movements or, or our body temperatures as we move around. It's, it's certainly almost similar, true in China. Yeah, it certainly seems like yeah. there's a whole new industry spawned out of the coronavirus. You know, I'll just leave it at both of those things came from externally. But to leave that for now. Yeah, um, the virus did come ex- from the external and world. So did 9 11. Yes. So, in the, in the midst of all of this, speaking about heightening tensions just for the sake of, I don't know, political power, I guess, Governor DeSantis wanders into the midst of all of this with a narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. <laughs> 